Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I I just need to interject it. Jay Jay just used Chris's full name Christopher as a little scolding thing. Jay Jay assigned himself podcast mom, which I think is very adorable. Good job. Yeah, Jay. shortly shortly before we started, Jay also told me I could not have a cookie for dinner. So I just feel like he's really asserting his fatherhood here. And I'm not I'm not sure I appreciate it. I did not I I honestly did not realize both of those things together. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly painting a picture. Uh I'm I'm Lorelai Weissel Brizzy. I'm Brian Dawes. Uh, and I'm Christopher Delano, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> listen i have an 18 month old and a seven year old and i swear to god i swear to god all right anyway they'll turn this car uh, around i'll turn this car right around today oh. we are gonna talk about the flavor gems of march of the machine if that sounds familiar it's because this is our uh part two essentially you do not have to have listened to part one uh before this one you can listen to them in either order or decide you don't want to listen to one or the other uh but yeah this is our flavor gems part two uh and we're gonna start off with the battles which we did not cover last time should we should we mention that uh there there were a couple of stories published this this week yeah aftermath so aftermath uh is a small set product uh, attached to March of the Machines. It, it's only March of the Machine. It's only like 50 cards. Uh, I want to say all those cards are bangers, but that's a whole that's a whole separate that's a whole separate thing we'll talk about on those flavor gems. Like there's very few cards in there that I don't want to play with or find a way to play with in the future. Um, yeah, the, the important it's 50 cards, two stories. We'll talk about it, I think, next week. Yeah, I think next week we'll yes. do flavor gems and the story at the same time. We oh. have that as two separate weeks. Oh, well then, we have plenty of time. Yeah. All right, then let's let's dive into the battles today. So, battles are a brand new card type. Uh on the front is the actual battle when you cast it, you get the effect and it goes into play under an opponent's control who uh, defends it. It's not true. It still is in play under your control, your opponent just defends it. Oh, okay. That is fair. I, I don't quite understand all the rules on it. That's like a curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They So it's like a... I, I don't even want to make the comparison to Planeswalkers. It's, it's a new card type. They're like cursed Planeswalkers <laughs> that are also sorceries. You can, you can whittle it down, and then you get whatever the back face is if you can destroy your own battle, essentially. Uh, and yeah, so each of these uh, is covering a different plane, and we have so many of these. There's, what, 36, I think, uh, was the number? Yeah, there's 36 in the set. We did talk about Invasion of New Phyrexia slash Teferia Cosa of Zalfir last week, so I'm not going to cover that one again, but we still have 35 other battles. And normally, I think we'd be pickier and choosier about this, but a lot of these are really, really deep cuts. And this is the exact kind of podcast that talks about deep cuts. Uh, so mm -hmm. it behooves us to cover all 35. So Invasion of Ravnica. Ravnica, we did not see a ton of uh, this time around. Uh, in large part because in the last big multi-year spanning event culminated in a big war on Ravnica. So 
there, there is Ravnica presence here. We got the invasion of Ravnica. You can see uh, Realmbreaker actually coming out of the ground here uh, because they were they're doing things in the Undercity. Um, bad things are happening on Ravnica, as you know, usual. Uh, but the back faces Guild Pact Paragon. Uh, which is a very amusing card. Uh, if you've been paying attention to Ravnica sets, there's always a guild pact card of some sort. Seal of the guild pack, glaive of the guild pack. This is a construct who's like wielding a glaive of the guild pact while having like the guild pact seal on its chest, uh, which I think is just a very funny nod to uh, all those previous colorless cards. It's also kind of amusing that we got a colorless Ravnica. Uh-huh. It li- literally the plane most famous for being a multicolor world has the colorless one, but also you can't do ten two color pairs on a single card because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's just called progenitus. No, that's a five color card. That's different. The next invasion is the invasion of Belanon. So we actually knew very, very little about Belanon before this set. It crops up in two plain cards from a decade ago. Windriddle Palaces and Edge of uh, Malakal. Now, all we see in this are uh, the Windriddle Palaces. We learn that it is home to Rocks and Luxodon. Uh, who are facing down all of these uh, invading Phyrexians. That's what we see on the front. Then when we flip it on the back, we see that there are angels on Belanon. There is something to do with the wind. There's like cloud, Zephyr cloud things coming in and enchanting this Luxodon's weapons uh, in order to give them a Belanon war anthem. Uh, so we've learned, you know, a little bit. We know there's angels and Luxodon and such there. Uh, we also know they're humans. There's like another card set on Belanon in the set. So those may not be angels. They what? What is that back there? Is that an Aven? It, they look more like Aven to me. Yeah. Which I think probably right, let me is transform and look closer. Yeah, yeah, it does. You're right. It is an Aven. That is my mistake. I was not. Uh, they've got so many of these, it's hard to look at the full art for all of them. Uh, congratulations, Chris. You are now the consulting lore master for Magic the Gathering. Yes. <sighs> I've taken your job. corrected me. Okay, okay. I'm still going to get paid. You just have to do the work. Ooh. Uh, so the next one we have is Invasion of Dominaria. Yeah, and this one is super sweet. Uh, with the art, you see an action scene with like a bunch of people fighting some dragons, and then on the back... You have Sarah Faithkeeper, and the favorite part of this is the flavor text. It's like just a generic Sarah Angel, right? But the flavor text. I was there when Phyrexia doomed Sarah's realm with a single touch. I was there when Yawgmoth tried and failed to conquer Dominera. I will still be there when Elishnorn lies dead. Love to see it. Hopefully, that goes so hard. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that, that angel is still alive, but I, I'm guessing that they are. because that, That's just awesome. That, thank you, Brian. Uh, I am pretty sure that whoever wrote that text is very attractive um, and uh, is a pretty cool podcast co-host. So um, just just fun, fun, random facts. About <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that one's really cool. And kind of just getting that classic Sarah Angel there is pretty neat. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just straight up. Have a Sarah Angel. Like, what is more Dominaria than that? It's great. Uh, so our next card is Invasion of Gobacon. Yeah. Uh, Chris, did you Gobacon. want to talk about that? 
Goba Khan. Yes, this is Teo's home plane. We uh, we got to see a lot of it in the War of the Spark novel, which for all of its faults did introduce Teo to us, who uh, hopefully is still out there somewhere, hopefully still with a spark. Um, but uh, Invasion of Goba Khan, on the front of it, you see a bunch of the light shields, these defenders of the plane who uh, don't typically use their shield magic against monsters. It's mostly used for the diamond storms because Goba Khan is... Um, plagued by diamond storms, which, you know, it's exactly what you think it is. Diamonds falling They're like from the sand sky. storms, but with, you know, tiny diamonds that will rip your flesh apart. Yeah. Uh, so it does transform to the back of it to light shield array, which shows all of these uh, Gobacon light shields protecting the plane. Uh, it uh, is they're called shield mages. Shield so mages. I just got my, me. I just got my job back. Thanks. Ah, that was, that was <laughs> definitely not intentional. Uh, but it, uh, you know, protects all of your creatures. And I love the fact that um, this card has one of the lowest uh, defense counter numbers on it um, with the uh, the with three, making it one of the easiest planes to, I guess, defend. I'm not sure the flavor here, but the point is, is that it doesn't take a lot to flip it uh, and turn it into a defense thing, which makes me think that the Phyrexians did not have a very successful invasion of Gobacon. They probably yeah. did not expect the diamond storms. <laughs> the I feel like the the shield mages didn't, you know, they they are defensive magic. I think all they had to do was uh wait for a sandstorm <laughs> for a diamond storm to show up, right? And and we won. We we do have a completed uh shield mage on a creature in the set that talks about the fact that the Phyrexians had a lot of trouble on Gobacon until they started completing the shield mages. Uh also I will note in the back of Light Shield Array, which is the uh it's the the hero shot of all these shield mages. Uh, the guy in the very back looks pretty familiar. I'm fairly certain that's uh, Teo back there, kind yeah. of hidden behind all these others. It he looks similar, but I'm. It's hard to like say for sure that it is Teo unless an artist like you know pops up and says yes. My counter is he gets name dropped on Ravnica in the first story, so it. I'm not saying it's not, but it's not necessarily Teo. All right, and then we have Invasion of Theros. Yeah, so the front side of this card uh, shows about what you expect for Theros, um, the plane that I think had the roughest go of things of all of the ones that we're going to talk about today, um, at least as far as we know. Uh, you see some completed Leonins fighting against some humans. It's it's not looking good. Um, the back side is what I want to talk about, which is Afara ever sheltering. Uh, this is a god on the backside. This is Ifara. This is the only god that we have confirmed is still alive post-invasion. Uh, we don't really know what all the other ones have done. Kind of maybe Athros is okay. Um, but the flavor text does not put a particularly positive spin on the fate of the other mono-colored gods. Um, it says, when the sun falters and the seas disperse, when the wilds wither and the forges go cold, when death itself succumbs, she endures. Uh, so yeah, it's, an, that's kind of, um, the five domains of the monocolored gods right there. And, uh, so not looking too hot for them. Yeah, I would lean towards things didn't go well. Uh, I, I would definitely go that way. Now for a lot of these planes, you know, we, we don't know the exact tally of damage as we go back and revisit places and see how things change. We'll, we'll, we'll learn, but, uh, I, I'm going to lean on, on bad things happened here. 
<clears throat> Miletus was, you know, like the last city left on the plane. All the other polices have fallen. Uh, everyone had to escape back. And uh, Ifara held the line. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Invasion of Ar- Ar- Arcavios. Yeah. And this one is next battle is Invasion of Arcavios. In this battle, we see uh, all sorts of Phyrexian baddies, like, looking for students while the students are just hiding there like, um, I'd rather not be found. So, um, there they are. And on the back, you see the invocation. And this is the scene from the story um, where the students uh, make it to the, the invocation and cast the big spell. And we see Quintorius there, just, just sitting there, just hanging out. Um, and the flavor text is, no professors, no grades, no room for mistakes. And if you read that story, you know that that was scary, because most of the Phyrexians were the professors, and kind of worrisome. <laughs> Bad things happened on, on Archivist. Bad things happened everywhere, really. Uh, the invocation of the founders was... Uh, a spell that kind of reset the main campus of Strixhaven uh, from the invasion uh, and allowed Liliana to essentially hold the line a little bit better against the invading Phyrexians. I think it's just adorable, like the the front face, like the students hiding on here is just so funny because like Quint is doing just such a terrible job of hiding. <laughs> He's doing a great job. He hides oh, so well that he disappears off the plane. Oh, of course. Of course. All right. Let's talk about Invasion of Kamigawa. Uh, so the Invasion of Kamigawa is, again, exactly what you would expect. Uh, kind of the battles are for the rooftops. There are completed samurai uh, facing down against futurists and, and uncompleted samurai in that first picture. Uh, and then on the back... We have a moonfolk ninja named Rooftop Saboteurs, uh, which is sort of how Kamigawa was holding the line through stealth uh, rather than a straight-on assault. Uh, they're slowly taking him down. Uh, the flavor text is also cute here. The pace of Kamigawa's development meant that Jin Gitaxius's intel was already outdated when the invaders arrived, and I love that idea uh, that they had already they had already moved on beyond what Jin was prepared for. I think this is a good uh, like pocket explanation, like not explanation. This is a good pocket example of like one of the reasons why the Phyrexians failed in their invasion is that they were really, really good at conquering and completing one plane uh, when they had decades of time to build their forces and study it and understand it. They kind of overstretched themselves a little bit by trying to invade the entire multiverse and so, like, even though they had intel on Kamigawa and they knew what to expect and they'd been there, they still were just not really prepared for everything that plane had to fight back with. They did a really good job, though. Poor tree. All right. Let's talk about Invasion of Segovia. Shout out to Segovia, miniature plane, one one hundredth the size of Dominaria. We did a very excellent April Fool's episode about it way back when, long time ago. That was two genders ago for me. Oof, that was a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it was. It was very, very early in in our run. Um, 
It was, I think, still our probably best April Fool's joke. Anyway, it's really tiny. Usually when you planeswalk here, you get shrunk down to size. But you notice this Phyrexian's foot is really, really big. Realmbreaker <laughs> didn't make things shrink down because it just tore holes through reality, uh, which is a neat, weird metaphysical thing. Uh, and on the back, it turns into Ketis, sea tyrant of Segovia, um, who's a little sea worm but also a giant serpent, but not a serpent worm. I'm still upset about this because it's based on a bottle worm. Uh, and, and I like the idea that just like a little worm is this Titanic sea monster, but it's still just a little worm to the Pyrexian. It's also still a 3-3. Three, three. <laughs> just yeah. just like Segovian Leviathan. Yeah, yep. and, and a like, cute reference. You, you get the little 1-1 one, one Krakens. Um, it's cute. I like this card. I, I love the the idea of giving one one creatures trample. It's one of my favorite things that magic does to like show that something is small but mighty, like the, uh -huh. the brush <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and, and like and so this ties to um like another big thing about Segovia and kind of canonizes a piece of word of God, maybe? Um, because we see a lot of city underwater. Uh and so um I don't remember which legends to cycle novel it was where nicobolus takes um yeah it's it's yeah it's legends too it's like the last book he takes the assassin whose name i can't remember off yeah, the top of my head it's really ramsey's over dark Ram your ramsey's over dark yeah uh to five different planes in the multiverse to talk about the colors of mana and whatnot and the blue one is underwater and um i'm not blanking on who wrote those not a good night for my memory. Uh, Scott McGow. Scott McGow. That's right. Um, Spot Scott McGow had said on, I think, Phyrexia.com back when that message board existed, uh, that this was supposed to be Segovia. So, like, placing the city underwater, like, and kind of, like, very obliquely maybe confirming Scott McGow's word of God about Segovia being a largely underwater plane is, like, weird. But I love it. All right. Let's talk Invasion of Vren. Yeah, Invasion of Vryn. We get to see Vryn on a card for the first time since, like, Magic Origins. Um, I don't want to talk too much about this card, because the really fascinating thing is on the back of it, uh, when you transform it into Overloaded Mage Ring, uh, and it's the flavor text. On my signal, disable the safeguards. Let's blow these metal freaks right back to their own world. Gav Bellerin, Mage Ring Engineer. Uh, so I don't know who this Gav Bellerin guy is, but his last name sounds real familiar. Never heard of it. It's Jace's dad. Yeah, it's Jace's dad. Yeah. <laughs> he's still there. He's still an engineer on the Mage Rings. He's still doing work, and apparently he's fighting uh, Phyrexians. So just cool little proof of life of Jace's yeah. dad. Yeah. Uh, Jay and I were both on the creator text team for this set, so we got we got to get a lot of deep cuts in. Um, I, the, the, not, not that the rest of the team didn't help with deep cuts, but... Uh, they 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 put they assembled like deep cut dream team uh and so we get to go do cool things let's talk about invasion of eldraine uh so in the front face we see the completed castle lockdwayne uh in addition to a whole bunch of completed knights heading into the wilds and it's really the wilds that survives this the realms we know uh falls uh to phyrexia and on the back face, we see that prickle fairies, you know, these mischievous fr uh, fairies, a lot like Rankle uh, or Rankle's black line fairies, I should say, 
Um, <clears throat> their f- the, as the flavor text says, when the courts fell, Eldraine's fae turned from their usual pranks to deadlier tricks. So uh, the fairies and elves and all the creatures of the wilds are fighting this sort of guerrilla war against uh, against Phyrexia, which is a a neat way to go. And we'll see how that turned out fairly soon, because the Eldraine is the next setup. And our next uh, invasion is Invasion of Fiora, where we see a pitched battle, uh, like, just, everything's just, like, you see a red mist. It's it's ridiculous. And you, you're seeing a whole bunch of legendary and non-legendary creatures die. But on the back, Marchesa, you know, her first card was, was an assassin, but now she she's decked out in battle armor and like she's doing work. Uh, just like if you haven't seen the art with her with short hair, looks really nice. Just they they really killed it. Like this art looks amazing. I like how the crown, Brago's crown, is worked into her helmet off to the side there. It's a detail I just noticed. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I love this card for the story of Marchesa, where if you were a less generous person, uh, you might think that Marchesa rose to power on Fiora just of her own selfishness, uh, which is probably true. Um, but I love the fact that she embraced her role as monarch and now she wins every single battle and she fights in them. Uh, and I mean that by like when she attacks, she removes all the counters from a battle. So like literally Marchesa wins every battle when she attacks. What's fun about Marchesa is that she basically went after the throne because being the queen pin of crime was not enough for her. <laughs> and she wanted to be the actual queen. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice when someone has that kind of naked ambition and does the work. A certain goblin kingpin might take advice from Marchesa. There's definitely some power vacuums on Ravnica. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, let's talk about a plane we haven't been to in a long time. Ulgratha. You skipped. Oh, no, wait. I'm, I, skipped, I skipped forward. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm let's talk about like, a, Jay, what are you talking about? We were literally there like a year and change ago. I got the two gothic horror planes. I screwed it up. Ah, of course I did. So the front of Invasion of Innistrad, we see yet again all the people of Innistrad coming together against some sort of cosmic horror that's invading. So you see uh, a Cathar, you see a werewolf, uh, you can see like a, a vampire in the background and monsters in the background all fighting against these Phyrexians, which include completed uh, werewolves, completed vampires, completed Cathars, all that good stuff. But when you flip it on the back, uh, the card is Deluge of the Dead. And the flavor text here is the eerie magic animated and animating Innistrad zombies rendered them immune to Phyresis, making them crucial to the plane's defense. Which is hilarious. This is the second time zombies have saved the day on Innistrad. Uh, you know, like when uh, Liliana, as the last hope, raised all those all these zombies and took them to Thraben during the battle there and helped turn the tide. Uh, similarly, I kind of love that Gisa and Garalford both like majorly responsible for defending the plane. Humans got to set their game up. If I had a nickel for every time the zombies on Innistrad were immune to some sort of extra planar threat and that's how they saved the plane, I'd have two nickels, which is 
really just reusing the same plot point twice. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, now let's talk about the other uh, gothic horror plane. Yeah, a plane we haven't seen in a little bit longer than Innistrad. Homelands came out in 95? 96? Long time ago. A long time ago. Before most of you listening were probably born. Oh god. That's not true. Old. But potentially mm. a lot of you listening weren't born. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is where Baron Sangir set up uh, his whole castle and vampire army. And uh, so we, this is focusing on the most beloved part of the world, which is the vampire part, and not any of the parts that Sarah and Faraz rebuilt and made wonderful, apparently. Um, and on the backside, we have Grandmother Ravi Sangir. Uh, Ravi used to be a planeswalker. She was childhood friends with Baron Sangir before he was a vampire. Um, she rings the apocalypse chimes and almost destroys the plane. Uh, acts, locks herself in a coffin stasis tank thing to not get murdered by the apocalypse chime. Baron Sangir, her friend, finds her later. And, she, and then she does like a whole bunch of dark magic to extend her life and at some point loses her spark. Um, but, uh, she's still kicking it in, in the year of, uh, of our Lord High Artificer, uh, what are we in, like, 4562-ish? 4562 is when the invasion happens. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, good for her. She does enjoy a good apocalypse. Yeah, she, uh, that's an apocalypse chime joke. I think everybody on the team looked at this card and went, we have to do an apocalypse chime joke. Um, <laughs> but, but also, like, it's a, she's not a vampire. Everyone's like, why is she not a vampire? She's on Ogre. She's not a vampire. She doesn't actually get turned into a vampire by Baron Singer because he respects her. Also funny, she doesn't actually remember being his friend. Her time yeah. in that coffin thing kind of uh, 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 did not great things to her mental state. She, so. She's... She's a little loopy, but she still cooks a great unicorn. <laughs> uh, I'm just very glad uh, that Ravi, the name Ravi, was put in there. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Because she's her card I, is Grandmother Sangir, uh, but in the comics, she's Ravi. So. Is, Excellent. is this the longest a character has gone between two legend printings? No, the Legends redos oh, uh, yeah, from yeah. Dominaria actually had a longer stretch. They got called out on twitter about that i got called out on that yep yet another person got in my vorthos title all right let's talk about call time uh call time the front face shows uh several of the cosmos beasts being completed uh namely toski and sarulf uh with some gliding um omen seeker ships kind of sailing i can't tell if they're sailing away or toward i think they're sailing toward because they've got a trail behind them uh, going to fight and on the backside we see pyre of the world tree uh, where basically as the flavor text says the warriors of kaldheim burned the soul of their world to keep it out of phyrexia's hands it's okay it's gonna it's gonna start getting regrown as we see in aftermath uh, but basically in order to keep it from becoming essentially a second realm breaker uh, they had to scourge uh, the influence of realm breaker off of it uh, Invasion of Karsus. Karsus is a plane we saw in Plane Chase. Um, the plane is called the Mirror Depths. All we know about it is that there's these big crystal caves that are mirrory. 
Um, so it turns into Refraction Elemental, which is this big crystal monster, and if you shoot a spell in it, the spell will go mirror through it, dark side of the moon, and kill everybody. That's it. <laughs> Let's talk Mercadia, Chris. Yeah, Mercadia. This was a really exciting uh, plane to see when it popped up in the pictures when we were at uh, Magicon Philly. Um, my favorite thing about it is the backside, as with most of these planes, uh, where it is Chiron Flamerite, who is a goblin spell shaper. Spell shapers were a type of, uh, I guess they're like a still a type of creature, but they were a type very popular in uh, Masks of Mercadia block. Um, spell shapers all had this thing where you would pay some mana, discard a card, and cast essentially a spell. Um, this one makes two one one blue and red elemental creature tokens. Uh, and gives all of your creatures plus one plus zero, oh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but the flavor text is really fun. Um, inspired by tales of the legendary hero Squee, many young Chiron goblins strove to emulate his magical skill and courage in the face of danger. Because uh, as we all know, Squee is well known for his magical skill and courage in the face of danger. So one of the plot points of the Mercadian Masks story, uh, if you look at the original Squee Goblin Nabob, uh, he is elevated because they believe him to be like way smarter than he actually <laughs> is uh, because the Chiron are all very intelligent. Uh, and he's what like an original Dominarian Goblin. So, of course, he's smarter. Right. And I love the idea that, uh, you know, the, the legend of Squee has only grown in the years since <laughs> centuries later. Uh, speaking of legends, uh, let's talk about Invasion of Ragatha. So Ragatha is a plane from uh, the novel The Purifying Fire. It's where we first encounter Chandra Nalar uh, in real life, uh, where she is one of the monks of, or one of the monks of this monastery called Carol Keep that turns out Jaya Ballard was secretly running. They all worshipped, not worshipped, but uh, revered the teachings of legendary pyromancer Jaya Ballard. Uh, and so this is all just kind of a, a reference to that with the back being Disciples of the Inferno, other monks from the um, uh, from from the monastery getting revenge for their lost mentor, even if they don't quite realize that that's what happened yet. Uh, Jaya's legacy is living on here. Love to see it. Our next battle is Invasion of Tarkir, where we see a completed-looking Kalagani um, dragon shooting lightning breath at an Ojutai dragon. No, I I'm choosing to believe that is not Kalagani himself, or itself. Or uh, her herself. herself. Yes, herself. Yeah, no, it is not, it is not Kalagani herself. Uh, what I will say to that is, I'll, it might be Kalagani brood, but... This plane in particular, there'd be like, I, I thought about it. I'm like, man, should they have like directly killed one off? But it's like, what would the point be? It would just be another, they would, if we go back, they would just replace that with another dragon that looks exactly the same because of the way the, uh, the broods work here. Right. Like, so yeah. And on the, anyway, on the backside, we have Defiant Thundermar, which is another Kalagani dragon shooting lightning. I'm assuming at the back of that first dragon. Yeah, yeah. So, and the flavor text is the Phyrexians are full of if they can if they believe they can weather such a storm, and Sarkin kind of has a point. Like you have dragon storms just going off all over the place. Like no matter how fast you complete, like dragons. If well, I guess it depends on if Ugin's there, but like 
Dragonstorm just spawning dragons all the time. Just like, I don't know how long they can sustain that kind of uh, turnover in, in troops. Uh, I also want to point out that the front card shows more dragon riders like uh, Ojutai and... Uh, Zergo. I'm forgetting the name. Zergo. Zergo and Ojutai. Uh, there are more dragon riders shown here fighting this Phyrexianized Kolagon brood. Yeah. Now let's do actual invasion of Ikoria. Uh, Ikoria <laughs> is one of my favorite planes. I love this card. <gasps> Me too. Um, uh, the front side of the card shows uh, a giant copper host Phyrexian facing down a giant Ikorian monster that's covered in like crystals. Uh, just the giant kaiju battle between Phyrexian kaiju and Ikorian kaiju. Uh, and we know who won because the Ikorians have Zalortha, apex of Ikoria, on the back of it, uh, which is the second Zalortha legendary creature card. Um, the first one uh, famously was a Biobox promo for Ikoria, uh, but you could only get it as the Godzilla card. So... Uh, it was Godzilla King of the Monsters was Zalortha Strength Incarnate, but we have not actually gotten a paper Zalortha Strength Incarnate card. Uh, but we did get this uh, backside of the invasion. Uh, is Zalortha the like apex of all of the plane? I don't know. Zalortha like a world soul thing? Eh. Who knows? It's just big. It's <laughs> big Zalortha monster. big monster, yeah. right? Like we we don't have to we don't have to ascribe more thought to it. Uh, one thing I'll say about the front is I saw some people theorizing that was Zopandrel, the Hunger Dominus. It is not uh, the, the one fighting the giant dinosaur shark thing. Uh, it is the the details on the card are different, even if I think the uh, is the artist the same. Yeah, it's the same artist. So it's a, it's a very similar looking green aligned giant Phyrexian monster, but not Zopandrel. All right, next up we have Ixalan. Uh, so Ixalan, we see kind of what we would expect. It is uh, the Sun Empire facing down completed compatriots. Uh, and on the back, we have a dinosaur, belligerent regisaur. Uh, and there is a Jurassic Park reference. <laughs> uh, careful, its vision is based on fear and it can smell movement. Or something like that. From <laughs> Gregor, <laughs> amateur zoologist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, dinosaurs fight stuff. Good. Uh, speaking of dinosaurs, we also have Invasion of Muraganda, where the dinosaurs don't seem to be uh, faring as well. This is the plane where we have more of the Jurassic Parky dinosaurs, uh, the, the featherless ones, and also it's known for being a very primordial plane. It first showed up in uh, Future Sight, I believe, as like a setting. Its prehistoric setting was because it's all like vanilla stuff, uh, which obviously has evolved since then. Uh, and we get Primordial Plasm on the back, uh, which talks about before the Tree of Life branched into predators and prey, there was only shapeless hunger. And so these uh, ancient Primordial Plasms are facing down the Phyrexians and eating them, <laughs> which is great. I love it. You can see one kind of resting in its uh, in its ooze. And the ability on the card uh, takes away all of the abilities from another creature. So it's it's pulling some Muraganda petroglyph stuff. Makes your creature nice. not have abilities. Uh, nice. Next up is Invasion of Chandelar. I love Chandelar. Um, 
one of the main things in Chandelar world building is that it has very wild, intense, kind of feral mana. Um, it's what's made Chandelar a plane that planeswalkers like to hunt down. Uh, so the backside is Leyline Surge. Um, and uh, Chandelar's mana itself being so powerful that it contains and fights the Phyrexians and starts turning some of them back into people, uh, which is neat. Uh, this card is also set in the Aloran Wilds, which is a previous um, plane chase plane, uh, known location on Chandelar. So we, we've got uh, kind of a... The set that brings Plane Chase back into Magic gets another additional Plane Chase reference there, which is cute. Uh, we also have Z uh, Invasion of Zendikar, which also has faced Interplanar Invaders. Uh, we get a little bit of a, a, a Death Star vibe from this one as Nahiri brings back and completes uh, the Emiria Skyclave. This is actually the first time we've really seen it mostly together. Uh, that's no moon in the background there. That is the completed Skyclave as the big sphere uh, that she was planning on using as a weapon. Uh, and we see some Manta, some Merfolk Mantis riders flying out to face it. Manta. Uh, and Manta. You're right. You're right. Mantis Manta. riders on Tarkir. Man yes, you're right. You're right. Um, I meant Mantas, and then I just messed it up. Anyway, uh, and the back card is Awaken Skyclave. It is the elementals, just like in ZNR, elementals versus uh, Nahiri's Lithomancy, and the elementals on the Skyclave are waking up to fight. And our next uh, battle is Invasion of Alara. And as has been the case with all of these, you see all sorts of action going on on the front of the card with a fire going on. I can't quite make out what that... I feel like there's big ferritins fighting some elves and all sorts of, or not elves, but these are knights and things on here. You see, a, yeah, you see a Leonin in the foreground, uh, but also uh, a Leonin facing down alone, Phyrexian, and then the two sides are facing off. And it's a mix of like, you can see an Esper Mage, a Bant Knight, a Rox, a Viachino, all that stuff. That's all good and well, but I'm really here for the backside where you see a whole bunch of creepy hands. Uh, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> I mean, this card is amazing. Like the, the ability of the card is sweet, but the hands, the hands. So cool. Catch them hands. <laughs> Love it. Um, any other anything else for this one? Now let's move on to Almond oh, Cat. So, so this this is why you can't do a multicolored Invasion of Ravnica card because Alara is the plane with the all five color identity in it, which is where you have to put the five color battle. So our next battle is Invasion of Amonkhet, where you have, again, huge Phyrexians just going through the city. Like, Amonkhet one day will get, a, a, you know, a, a break. But in the meantime, we have Hazaret combined with the Scarab and Locust Gods just fighting Phyrexians. And it looks like this huge Phyrexian worm is just wrecking the city of Nactamon. But on the back, you have this Phyrexian who's being overwritten with Lazatep. And the flavor text says, as Lazatep covered his body, he heard Norn's voice fade from a deafening clarion to a distant whisper. And that flavor text is wild to me because it just means that, oh crap, Lazatep can override like all sorts of things. And that's really cool to me. That's, a, that's metaphysics that I didn't know that I wanted. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's definitely because we also see like a completed Eternal. There's definitely kind of a back and forth war. Whoever got to them last is the one that controls them between <laughs> these two. Well, what I what I love about it is that uh, the worst beetle headed god you know just made a great point. <laughs> <laughs> and he's on the front. I love yeah. this this distance shot of Hazaret, the Scarab God, and the Locust God, the three surviving gods, uh, all fighting together to. F- fend off the Phyrexians. Yeah, I believe the legend article or something like that said that Hazaret and Jeru showed up and the Locust God and Scarab God were already there fighting and they just kind of were like, I mean, I guess this will <laughs> work. Let's move on to Invasion of Asgol. Asgol is uh, from the Plane Chase card, Lair of the Ashen Idol. Uh, it's given a little bit more of an identity here where we've got these uh, zombie creatures that are zombie elementals that seem to be servants of the Ashen Idol, this volcano god thing. Um, that's all we really know about it. There's not a lot of details, so I'm not going to spend much time on it. Uh, we're not going to talk about Invasion of Ergamon because that was our one of our previews. You oh, can go back on. and check that out. Uh, let's talk about Invasion of Kaladesh. <laughs> no. You can't just skip over Ergamon. People aren't going to go back and listen to the preview article. It's the plane where Warsaw and Thommel in the original Magic Rulebook story we, was. We talked about it in our preview episode. How about Kaladesh? All right. So, yeah, go back and listen to our preview episode. Ah. Uh, invasion of Kaladesh is uh, really cool. It's a blue and red invasion, which, you know, Kaladesh, uh, most famous denizen is a blue red planeswalker. Uh, and it makes a thopter when it enters. But the uh, cool thing is the back of it is Aetherwing, Golden Scale Flagship, which is a vehicle, and it looks like a pterodactyl thing from Ixalan. And the flavor text is inspired by the grace of Ixalan's pterodons. Sahili built one of her own. And I love it. It's Dinobot. It's a little Mm -hmm. Dinobot. Yeah, I do love that they're both building uh, tributes to each other uh, because we see in Aftermath. Oh, we'll talk about that in Aftermath. Let's talk yeah. about Lorwyn instead. Uh, no, not Lorwyn. Let's talk about Kylum instead. Yeah, Kylum, the Valor's Reach, the Battle Bond plane. Um, the, my favorite thing about this is the front side of the card gives up to two target creatures plus two plus so in Vigilance and then the uh, and Haste. And the backside is Valor's Reach Tag Team, which is a sorcery that creates two, three, two red and white warrior creature tokens. Uh, and whenever this creature or and at least one other creature token attack, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. Um, I think it's cool because it's like, it's playing up the battle bond. You got two little tag team thing, but it also, uh, it specifically says whenever this creature and at least one other creature token attack doesn't say creature token you control. So if you do play a battle bond style draft or a two headed giant, uh, event, if you attack with a creature token and your teammate attacks with a creature token at the same time, they, you can put a plus one plus one counter on it. So it's neat. I did not notice that little detail. That's adorable. That is very cute. That is sweet. All right, let's let, let's talk about Lorwyn. Lorwyn, battle or the invasion of Lorwyn. We see a bunch of elves just shoot a bunch of Phyrexians, and like the first thing you think of if you know anything about Lorwyn is, of course, there are elves shooting at Phyrexians because Phyrexians are freaking hideous. And then you turn over <laughs> on the back and you see the flavor text. The Phyrexian appearance was so offensive that perfects and eyeblights together in unprecedented unprecedented kinship to destroy them because on Lorwyn if you had any kind of deformity uh as an elf you were immediately cast out and hunted as an eye blight so the fact that they are working together to destroy Phyrexians just tells you how ugly Phyrexians are 
Per- yeah, perfects is a cast in mm-hmm. the elf society here. Mm-hmm. Flavor text sees the word kinship. That's a mechanic in Norwin. Oh. oh. That was really good. <laughs> really good pun grown, everyone. I'm proud of you. Yeah, that was. That was uh, let's talk about invasion of Moag. <laughs> So Moag comes from the novel Planeswalker. It's a place that Zancha and Urza stop, and it's the first place Urza tries to rally a force to defeat Phyrexia. Uh, but no one really believes him because he's kind of just, you know, he's he's got real crazy old man vibes. Uh, so he leaves and later Phyrexia comes and like rampages through the place. Uh, and so invasion of Moag, they remember Um and uh, there's another card that talks a little bit more about remembering the fight there, but that's the reference here, uh, is that this is one of the planes that had been invaded by Phyrexia before, and they're ready for them this time. Yeah, and then the invasion of New Capenna. Uh, Speaking which, of a place that's been invaded before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, New Capenna, uh, funny enough, been invaded before, maybe not the best prepared until the angels got involved. Um, city does not fare very well. But I just want to talk about the backside. The front side, you've got what looks like some maestros who've been completed, you know, fighting some riveteers and stuff, whatever. But the backside, uh, I'd like you to say hello to my little friend, Holy Frazzle Cannon, uh, <laughs> which is one of the funniest card names uh, that I've seen printed on like a non-un card magic card. Um, it has uh, some flavor text from Jetmir, who we weren't sure his fate at the end of the Capenna, new Capenna story. So good to hear that the big cat daddy's alive, at least for this flavor text. And he says, uh, they're using my Halo stockpile for what? Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the art shows uh, a uh, cannon that's just shooting Halo beams at people. It's very, very cute. Uh, and it is like it looks like it's a uh, devil that's wielding it. And he's mm-hmm. just living his he's look at the smile on his face. He's living his best life. The Riveteers did not get a lot of story in the new Capenna Block story, but they got a lot of fun in the mom story. Hey, wow. Isn't it wild? They didn't get a lot of story in new Capenna Block and then got the focus of the story on new Capenna in this block. It's almost like it was planned. What? Never. Theotora still needs to be more present. Just saying. We yeah. talked we talked about invasion of New Phyrexia last time, so let's move on to invasion of Pyrulia. Uh Pyrulia is a plane that shows up in the novel The Thran. Uh it is Dyfed uh, is a Thran planeswalker who brings Yogmoth to Pyrulia uh to blow his mind about the multiverse before taking him to Phyrexia. Yogmoth gets a tummy ache and is sad about <laughs> it. Um but it, it's a plane on the inside of a sphere. Where with like a sun in the middle, um, it's also seen on uh, uh, Horizon Bow's plane and the Horizon Canopy land. Um, so this is just a uh, a place that technically sort of a Phyrexian has been before. Um, and, uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and is uh, he he wasn't baked yet. Uh, he was he was a <laughs> raw Phyrexian, but. Uh, we should mention the overlap here is also because a lot of the named planes came from like two or three novels that mm-hmm. happened to have to do with Phyrexia in the past. Yeah, yeah. And those got made into plane chase cards. And then these battles are referencing plane chase cards mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, Gargantuan Slaphorn is just a fantastical creature that is. Right, what about Tol- card. Sure is. Uh, what about Tolvada? 
invasion of Tovada, it brings us to the, I believe, the home of Kaya, our ghost mm-hmm. assassin. Uh, I was not aware that there were still people there. I was I was under the impression that it had been destroyed, but I guess not. But hey, they're in, they're in trouble now. Um, so you see them fighting Phyrexians on the front. See some humans fighting Phyrexians. And then on the back, you see the broken sky where you see Whelmbreaker has a root poking through and just random spirits coming through and attacking the roots and we see uh, angry ghosts pour through and pummel the invasion tree filling the heavens with rhythms of war and really cool i really like since there are actually people there i want i kind of want to see what happens because we know bo was kind of reneged on his deal to help kaya mm-hmm. but and Kaya also believes Bolas might have caused it in the first place. Yeah. So I do kind of love that Bolas's like mischief here is what's helping defend the plane. Uh, this is, uh, by the way, the only card in the set, uh, s- definitively set on a plane that we have never seen in a magic card before. Um, this is true. This is this yeah. is literally the the debut of anything from Tolvada. Oh, except for Kaya. Tolvada was created during the overarching story for uh, War of the Spark, and we have never even visited it in a story. We've only heard about it. Mm-hmm. And speaking of a story of a place we've never really visited, Xerex, the weird Escher-like math plane. Uh, so on the front here, on Invasion of Xerex, we see that there's like the, I guess it's a reference to the Stairs of Infinity. There's these stairs that uh, you can walk on from both sides, because again, this is Escher painting world. Uh, and you see uh, a four-winged angel uh, stabbing at a Phyrexian here. And when you flip it over, you get someone who can be your angle or your devil, a Vertex <laughs> Paladin. Um, and <laughs> uh, who's got these weird geometric shapes. Uh, they've got like six wings. They got all that stuff going on. Uh, I need people to look closely at the art of this card if they can. Uh, the geometric shapes behind the angel are an optical illusion. Uh, it's an impossible shape. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. It is a setting that can only exist in two-dimensional art. <laughs> uh, so the flavor text here is the literal-minded Phyrexians made the greatest mistake possible on Xerex. They tried to understand what they were seeing. Uh, I should also note the name itself is a palindrome, uh, which goes to the whole everything weird about this plane. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's talk uh, let's talk about individual flavor gems because we only have a little bit of time left. Let's get through these and maybe we save Commander for another day. Yeah, real quick. Uh, Ramosian Greatsword is a reference to the Ramosians on the plane of Mercadia, uh, a bunch of people who worship the dragon engine Ramos as a god. Um, so uh, that was important in Mercadian masks. And so that's just a throwback to that. There's uh, also a little gem in the sword that looks like one of the power stones that's part of Ramos, the heart of Ramos. Would you say it's a flavored gem? Yes. Uh, ah! <laughs> Sorry. We also have Ozolith the Shattered Spire. Uh, the Ozolith was this giant weird crystal that started extra mutating everything on Ikoria uh, that shattered when uh, Luca drew too much power from it uh, and has mysteriously started reassembling itself. I'm sure it's fine. It's fine. It's just, you know... The, the Raven Man was inside of it, and now oh that he's God. free, they can come back together. 
Uh, anyways, uh, here's some rapid fire uh, flavor gems that I thought we should talk about. Um, the first one is Seraph of New Capenna, which is a New Capenna angel that flips to the Seraph of New Phyrexia. Uh, the backside allows you to sacrifice a creature and give it a uh, plus two plus one, which is a reference to Fallen Angel from Legends because it's a it's a fallen angel becomes uh, Phyrexianized. Um, it's great. I also just want to give a shout out to the card coming in hot, which is one of my favorite names for a card ever. Just just a beautiful like coming in hot and then you cast it on your creature and it. Yeah. And anyways, um, and then we got a we got three confirmations uh, from the multiverse legend sheet that I wanted to, to bring up. Uh, the first one was a Modi celebrant of bounty, which was com- uh, confirmed from Amonkhet. A Modi uh, was from commander legends, didn't really have any lore and now, well had lore, but didn't have a plane. Uh, and now we know that a Modi is from Amonkhet. So what, what I'll say about that real quick is a lot of people assumed Emodi was from Amonkhet, but there was nothing in Emodi's bio, and Emodi had like six arms instead of two, uh, which is what all the rest of the Naga on the plane had. So yeah, it's nice to have official confirmation here. Yeah, I think a lot of people saw the Amonkhet frame on Emodi for Multiverse Legends and was like, ah, oh, yes, of course, we knew that, but we never knew that. There was no reason to even think that. Um, you could make an assumption, but there wasn't any more than that. Uh, but then we also have Lathiel, the Bounteous Dawn, which was another Commander Legends card uh, in an Eldraine frame. So this confirms that Lathiel is a unicorn on Eldraine, which I think is uh, pretty neat. Um, and then we got a reprint of Brutaclad, Telcor Engineer. Um, I don't think Brutaclad has ever been confirmed real until this one. Correct. Uh, yep. He shows up in a commander deck or they show up in third, uh, like a multicolored mirror. Brutaclad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can I, can, I'll, I'll give the background here. Uh, mm-hmm. So Brutaclad was a reference to a future site card uh, called Sarcomite a, Mirror. Sarcomite mm-hmm. Mirror. Right. Uh, which was like an early indication of what Phyrexia might be in the future. And so, but that version uh, never manifested as far as we know. Uh, And so Brutaclad was a reference to that. And so in there, in his bio, it was like, you know, version of Tarkir that may or may not have existed. Well, now we know it existed. He's a version of Brutaclad is real, uh, which is nice because yeah. I just wanted to say uh, doing that weird like, oh, it might be an alternate Dominarian time. It's just not worth it. He's real. Like there's nothing that he's breaking by existing. Except some of my limited games. Rocket Raccoon Jif. He's real. <laughs> Let's move on to final thoughts. So my final thought is yet again about a video game, but not not the one uh, you're all probably thinking. I am having a lot of fun playing the new Jedi Survivor game. That's the one I was thinking. It's mm-hmm. well, That's, I was I, yeah. I was gonna, I was thinking you were thinking I was going to say Gigabash, but it's not Gigabash right now. Um, it's that, and I'm very excited. In like two weeks, we get the new Zelda game. Uh, and it looks insane. No, no, it's literally... It's next week. No, it comes out the week this podcast airs. Oh, my the God. Literally, when the Holy podcast comes out, we're going to be five days from Tears of the Kingdom. I don't know how that happened. Got so close. Wow. My final thought, also about a video game. It is the one you're thinking. It's about Destiny 2. 
Uh, we got our first little <laughs> sneak peek at the next season, season 21, season of the deep. We're going back to Titan. Sloan is there. The Leviathan is there. Uh, we got to look at some of the armor. It's cool underwater armor. Uh, and uh, because she confirmed it on Twitter, uh, our good pal Allison Lurs, formerly of Wizard of the Coast, uh, her first work on uh, Destiny 2 will be out in Season of the Deep, uh, which is awesome. Uh, Allison's a good friend, and uh, I miss having her work on Magic, but I'm really excited for her working on Destiny 2, and I'm really excited to play the new season. My final thought, like, I honestly had forgotten that we were doing... Uh... Favorite Dunes Part 2, because I was ready to talk about uh, <laughs> the story this week. So, uh, <laughs> Sorry, uh, Brian. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 oh, no problem. Uh, my final thought is that uh, tell people that you love them when you have your kids. Just, just do it. Oh, yeah. That's good yeah. advice. Uh, my final thought is going to be about tea, because that's there's no good transition from that. You should tell the people you love that you love them and take care of each other. Um, and also just to find something that makes you happy and uh, share that with people. And I'm going to share with you that I'm really happy with tea lately. Uh, ordered a bunch of tea from this tea shop called Friday Afternoon Tea, which is in Seattle. Uh, they got like robbed, apparently, and they posted about it. And a bunch of people I know in Seattle were saying like, hey, this is a really good tea shop. You should support them. And so I did. And I ordered some tea and it was so good, so good that I've ordered more tea. I'm now on my second order of tea from them. Uh, so I highly recommend it. Friday afternoon tea. Uh, yeah, they've got like all the, like the fandom inspired stuff going on and, you know, that sort of thing. But like and like the D&D and tabletop stuff. But like it is just really high quality, really good tea. And I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, definitely recommend it. I know I'm on a podcast with a bunch of cis people because you said you're going to talk about tea and there's no way good way to transition from this. And the, there's about a thousand jokes right there that you just set up that nobody said. Um, but uh, instead, we're going to segue to the end part where I talk about how you can go on to patreon.com slash the cast and support us and get on our discord server and talk with Vorthoses from around the world who are just like you and exciting things are happening. Uh, we're actually about to head into a kind of a lull-ish. I don't know when the Commander Masters previews start. You're going to want to be on the Discord server when those start. Because everyone's going to lose their minds. Because we're going to scream about Commodore Guff. And it's going to be chaos. And it'll be fun. Probably. I don't like Commodore Guff. Uh, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> this year was made to hurt me because of <laughs> Commodore Guff. And horsemanship on a new card in the same year. Uh-huh. Mm. I want Gavin on this show so I can fight him. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see. If Gavin was involved with um, Commander Masters, we will. We should 100% grab him. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.